We've seen some people where their book has not sold a ton of copies, but they've sold it to the right people and it's been the right message for the right market. And it's been authentic and it's been life-changing for them. But I think so many people were like, you know, a book is not successful and a book is not worth writing unless it sells millions and millions of copies. And I mean, you mentioned you sold 20,000 copies of a book. Um, to help our audience understand, like, that's pretty rare to sell that many copies, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, most books that are published are going to sell 5,000 copies or less in their lifetime. And when I say most, I truly do mean most. Like we're talking 98, 99% of all books that are published. So right. what you see and what you think is, wow, if you write a book, you you show up in airports, you show up on bestsellers list. But really what you're seeing is the, the top 1% that have made it through for one reason or another. Welcome to the Small Business Storytellers, the show where we dive deep into the stories and secrets of businesses focused on not just making money, but making the world a better place. My name is Seth Silvers, and my passion is helping businesses grow that are making the world a better place. Every episode, you will hear from transformational leaders and business owners as we dive into what has helped them grow and what has helped them stay true to themselves along the way. Also, Every week, we are hosting live conversations with our guests on Fireside Chat, where we give you, the audience, the opportunity to ask them your burning questions. So make sure to join us live on Fireside Chat on your mobile device. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small Business Storytellers. I'm your host, Seth Silvers, and on this show, we are going to bring you some of the most transformative business stories that you've probably never heard of. In my experience as a business owner, the most relatable lessons and stories that have helped me grow my business, they haven't often came from the big Fortune 500 companies you've heard of. They've came from other small business owners that I've met that usually are down the street or in another state. I introduce you to some of my friends who are building incredible businesses, and we're going to learn from their successes, their failures, and really learn what they are doing to grow their businesses. On today's show, we have a very special guest. Caleb is a best-selling author, leader of a successful and growing ghostwriting agency, and more importantly, one of my closest friends. Caleb's advice has helped hundreds of leaders, consultants, pastors, and coaches turn their expertise into life-changing books that end up further elevating their platform and growing their business. I've had the opportunity to work with Caleb on book projects. Uh, we've traveled the country together for business. I've spent time in his home talking about the importance of impact behind a business. And those are the times I cherish the most. So on this show, we're going to talk about how you can publish a book, even if you may not be a writer. And we're going to talk about how the publishing industry is changing and changing fast. So if you have questions about writing a book, building a platform, or becoming a thought leader in your industry... This is your episode. So with that being said, I want to welcome you to the Small Business Storytellers. Caleb, I want to welcome you to the show. Caleb, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing awesome, Seth. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm I'm stoked to catch up and, and talk business and books and just to encourage people who are on this entrepreneurial journey or book writing journey. Yeah, absolutely. Caleb, I know where you're calling from, but tell our audience, where where do you live? Where is your business based? So live up in the great Pacific Northwest in a town called Bellingham, Washington. 
Lived here my whole life. Absolutely love it. People think it rains all the time, but it really isn't that bad. It's really green up here. It's really lush. It's beautiful. Uh, you come up here in the summertime, you'll want to stay forever, but then you hit the wintertime and it's pretty dark and dreary. So uh, it is a trade-off, but I absolutely love where I live. Met my wife here. I've been married for 13 years now. No kids yet. Got three little dogs, a couple of miniature huskies and a Shiba Inu who uh, fill our life with joy anyway. And um, man. And, they all, and, and all three of your dogs do not like me. That's true. I mean, one really doesn't like you, Seth, but I, I, I honestly, it's hard to imagine the other two. I bet they absolutely love you. <laughs> they just follow the leader. But for some reason, every time I walk into your house, they're not happy about it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And yeah, Bellingham is beautiful. Uh, we've loved every time we've gotten to visit and it's been far too long. Um, obviously I know, I know so much about what you're doing and yeah, it's fun to catch up and, and talk more about kind of where business is at now. But for those who are listening to this episode and don't know, like, tell us about Speak It to Book. Tell us about what it is that you do. So Speak It to Book is about helping people who are living great stories and who have put in a ton of work in their profession, like actually get it out to the world in book form. You know, not everyone is a writer. Most people can write, but it's not their one thing. And so Speak It to Book steps in and it extracts that story, that insight, that wisdom, that knowledge, and helps you write your book, write and publish your book. We help writers in a number of ways, but mostly it comes down to two paths. We're either going to help them self-publish and use that book as a bridge to build their platform so that they can reach more of the people who need the most, or we're going to help them down the traditional route, which is going to be different and has its own set of challenges, but uh, also has some advantages as well. Right. And how did this start? Like when, when did this get started and kind of give us the, the short version of what the journey has been over the last couple of years of like it kind of evolving into what it is now? Sure. So started in 2014. Uh, I had been chasing a traditional book deal ever since I stepped away from journalism. I, I felt called out of journalism, going to write books. And I spent seven years pursuing traditional publishing and nonfiction, ended up being 10 in fiction, where I was published in, in both those realms. Well, after I sold about 20,000 books, I, I found myself just uh, worn out. I couldn't market anymore. I couldn't get my books out anymore. Therefore, I couldn't make a living pursuing my passion, which was writing. And I was pretty broken at the time. But then uh, I asked the question like, well, what if like, what if I could write and actually reach people with my books? Like, like, and I got to decide that. And so I stepped away from writing for four years. I'm a very focused person, disciplined person. So I, I just knew I had to turn off that valve for a while to learn internet marketing. And, and once I learned it, I saw this huge gap in the world and the publishing industry that had been created because writers aren't marketers and, and marketers aren't writers. And so we, we faced with this huge problem in the world of this, the best books don't get written. In fact, some of the best books will never be written or read if they are written. Only 
people with large platforms get read widely. And a large platform can come from, you know, a viral video that you had. And so a publisher approaches you and said, you must have something to say when really, not really, it wasn't inspired. It didn't come from your story, your voice, your heart. And so I want to flip that on its head. I want to build up those people who have high character, high integrity, high competency, and they have an incredible story or insight and knowledge to share with the world. I want to be that company behind them that no one knows about, getting them on the stages they need to be to impact thousands and thousands of lives. Right. Which, I mean, a a result of kind of what happens, what you were just saying of, you know, kind of books being built off platforms doesn't that end up meaning that there's a lot of really crappy books that become bestsellers and there's probably a lot of really amazing books that just don't don't reach the amount of people that they should because there haven't there's not the proper marketing behind it. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, that's exactly what's happening. And um one of the things that we want to battle against is <laughs> It, it's, it's that it's like how, it, oh, and this, this is what I was going to say. The, the biggest problem coming out of what you just described is that you have all of these incredible people with incredible messages who think something's wrong with me or I'm not worthy or what I have to say isn't worth being published because no one's reading it. So they take book sales their ability to reach readers. And and if they can't get it out to people, they think the message that's been on my heart, it really isn't that important. The calling I've felt, eh, it it really doesn't mean much. It's really is not as important as I feel it is. And they start telling themselves this narrative that truly changes the the course of their, their purpose. Yeah. And it's awful to see that happening. Yeah. Yeah, it it really is. And I think that so much of, so much of it is based on us, our obsession with vanity metrics and bestseller lists and all of these things. You know, if you sell a hundred copies of a book or a thousand copies of a book and you're a business person and you sell it to the right people, that book could make you a million dollars. And you and I have seen that, like we've seen that happen. We've seen some people where their book has not sold a ton of copies, but they've sold it to the right people and it's been the right message for the right market and it's been authentic. And it's been life-changing for them. But I think so many people were like, you know, a book is not successful and a book is not worth writing unless it sells millions and millions of copies. And I mean, you mentioned you sold 20,000 copies of a book. Um, Help our audience understand, like, that's pretty rare to sell that many copies, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, most books that are published are going to sell 5,000 copies or less in their lifetime. And when I say most, I truly do mean most. Like we're talking 98 to 99% of all books that are published. So right. what you see and what you think is, wow, if you write a book, you you show up in airports, you show up on bestsellers list. But really what you're seeing is the, the top 1% that have made it through for one reason or another. Great marketing, the right message at the right time. Uh, you know, a, a novel concept. And, and most of those books <laughs> were probably rejected a dozen or two times before they, they actually broke through. Right. So you're, you're absolutely right there. Yeah. And it, you kind of, you know, in response to all of this, and, and I know more of your story. So like, 
when he said, you know, when, when you're saying that you made some sacrifices and learned all this, like you, didn't you, you spent your wedding money on writing books to learn how to write books in the van and spent like 20 grand. Wasn't it like a bread van, like going around yeah. the country <laughs> trying to get your book out? Really like you and your wife put so much into getting your book out into as many hands as you can. And then at the end of that, you kind of had this moment where you realized like, was that worth it? Is there another way? Like, tell me a little bit more about that moment after you guys had just put like blood, sweat and tears and a lot of time and money into getting your book out there. Yeah. I, I mean, just frankly, I felt like a complete failure. I felt like I had, uh, completely let down my wife who'd supported me for so long. You know, you mentioned, she's a writer as well. So we've always been in this together, but you know, we spent all of our wedding money on books on writing. We, uh, only to find out that the only real way to grow as a writer is to read a lot and write a lot. It's not so much about the how to. Um, and then, uh, you know, when I stepped away from journalism, we worked as night managers at retirement apartments for five years, living off of 600 a month. Uh, we poured all of our life savings into that first book giving away 6,000 copies at conferences all over. And, um, and later we even sold uh, our car and our house to fund our writing and business ventures. So we've always been all in. And when that didn't work, when, when putting in everything didn't work, it was a breaking point. It was desperation. And right. one thing that's always stuck with me, uh, a mentor told me, is that desperation breeds inspiration. And and truly in this really dark time for me per- professionally and personally and my identity, you know, my identity outside of my my you my my real identity which I would consider myself a child of God, but just professionally I was like like well, who am I? What am I doing? Like I've I've put everything I know how to do. I I researched, you know, one of the reasons why I gave away copies was because I had read a story about just that. I read an mm-hmm. author like giving away copies and kind of getting people talking about it. But that was way back in the nineties before the internet was really buzzing and, and people talked more about the book. So, you know, there, there's not a silver bullet. And I, and I realized that. And when I realized that all I could do was write, but not be able to reach the the people who actually need the message, I knew a, a change needed to happen. Right. And that's when I turned the valve off of writing and said, you know what? I'm going to grin and bear it and I'm going to learn marketing and I'm going to learn it really well. Yeah. Yeah. It, ama- amazing story of, you know, just how you, you and Brittany have put everything on the line to be able to pursue your dream. And that's one of the things that I've always honored so much. Like you guys have built your business around the life that you want. Like your business is not running your life. <laughs> your business is a piece of the life that you feel, you know, called to create. So now you fast forward and you have kind of built this amazing process working with, you know, people of expertise to help them kind of turn this knowledge in their head into a book. Help me understand like that process of, okay, I know that I have things to share, but I'm definitely not a writer. And how, how do you turn that, that stuff, all of that years of experience in our head into a book? You're going to know better than 81. Uh, and, and, and our process has even got more and more refined sure, uh, sure. since the last time, you know, we've, we've chatted and 
it depends on a couple of things. So one is maybe you already have content. So we work with a lot of pastors through our sister company, Sermon to Book, where they've done multiple sermon series built off of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears pouring into their study of scripture. And they've put in that that hard work and they can send us that and we can get started with our editorial process, kind of um, seeing, hey, how can we transform the spoken word into the written word? But the more the more fascinating aspect, I think, is when you're starting from ground zero, which is what you're talking about. It's I know I have this story. I, I know I have this wisdom and insight. I know that if I could just share this message with these people, like souls are going to be impacted. But what do I do? That's the process that we focus around Speak It to Book. And that really comes down to a structured system of having calls with our clients that will draw out the the book inside of them so that they can actually see it. You know, imagine an outline of a book. You open a book and it's completely blank, but all of a sudden the table of contents shows up and, and it's your life. It's your insight. It's the book you dreamed about writing. We start there until that outline just shows up and you're like, wow, this is my book. This is what I must write. That's kind of the start of our process. And we do that through just having conversations like this. And we don't actually say, all right, let's dive into the content until that reality has become true. And then we just go into what we call chapter calls. Hey, today, let's talk about chapter one. I I want you to think about this based on our outline. Here's 10 questions to think about. And then we do just like we're doing now. We talk, we, we investigate, we extract the diamonds. And this part is really interesting because there's no one size fits all. Every interviewer is going to be a little bit different. Every person who has a story is going to be different. So sometimes you have an interviewer who's going to be uh, coming in and asking questions soft, gently. Other times someone needs going to be prodded a little bit more because they're, they're not really getting to the good stuff. They're, they're not really sharing their heart. It's more of a duty than a calling. And you, and you have to kind of call them out on that. So you're really hiring a guide to get the best out of you, your story, your wisdom, your insight, everything. Sometimes it takes 30 minutes before you ever even get to the goal inside someone because a lot of people just need to clear their throat. They're, they're not used to sharing their story. They're not used to sharing their insight of wisdom because they've lived it. And, and how do you translate all of that when you're not used to talking it, you're used to living it. And so it's a process of drawing out a book, but it's also going into these areas that most of our authors, they haven't really explored yet. And so it's a fun, um, it's almost like therapy. It's, yeah. it's this experience of discovery, self-discovery as uh, your book is, is pulled out of you. Yeah, it's amazing. And I, um, so I, I, served, uh, I served with Caleb and, how, and did interviews for a while with some of their clients. And uh, so, you know, we'd have these amazing, amazing clients that would want to write a book. And that I've always felt like books are like, it's like cheating in life because you have people that have spent like a lifetime, you know, thousands of dollars, tons and tons of years, you know, thousands of hours learning a craft or learning a message. And then they put it into this book and then you go on Amazon and you buy it for like 10 bucks and read it in a couple <laughs> days. And it like, I've always felt like it's like cheating. And so with your authors, it was amazing to get to work with them because we, you know, you have these industry experts that would come in 
And as the interviewer, you know, I would probably spend 20 to 25 hours pulling that content out of them through interviews over a couple months. And I think it was one of the most fun projects I've worked on because I got to, I got to learn so much, like, you know, learned a ton about like tons about real estate and housing in one book and like all of these different disciplines where you as the team, like we just got to learn so many amazing things. So that was one just like added benefit. And I, I heard this story I want to tell you because I was talking to um, one of your first authors, uh, Rick Roperto, um, the other day. And and Rick, even he looks at his first book that he wrote with you and he's like, you know what, that was my first book. But like, looking back, he's like, you know, it, it was okay. Um, and so, I mean, he even knows like, you know, the book hasn't sold that much, but it, it was still really valuable for him. It was a story for him that needed to get out. And it was really valuable for him to get to do that. And he was in Florida. And he was like at some resort or something and he looks up on a bench and there's some lady reading his book and he walks up to her and he says, so like, how do you think, how do you like the book? She's like, this book is amazing. This is my third time reading it this week. And he says, oh, wow. uh, I know the author. I'd love to introduce you to him. She says, really? She opens back to the author page and sees that it's him. But it was just an amazing story. And I mean, obviously he was so lit up by it because is, you know, showed that all this time and investment that he put into a project was really making an impact. And it just goes to show you just never know whether it's podcasting or books, like you never know who's going to be impacted by those projects. And I think we're beginning to see really the place that books can be really strategic in, in business. And for people that are maybe trying to build influence or trying to build thought leadership or trying to kind of build themselves, build their reputation up in a specific industry. So I'd love to kind of ask you, like, how have you seen um, books be really important in building influence in, in people's like careers and in people's industries? And you, you can't, you can't start with something greater the ability to connect two humans together then your story then your your insight your the, your life experience i mean just having that like i've i've done things in writing marketing all this all this stuff if i refuse to put that in writing i just kind of become this blur that someone thinks they might understand or know so just getting your story and insight out is so valuable for you because what is life and business? What's, what's it all about? It's, it's about relationships and service. And when you write your book, you're giving others the ability to know you, to connect with you at such a deep, profound level. And this connection then allows you as the author or, um, or businessman to say, how else can I serve you? You're, you're my people. You really connected with my story. How else can I serve you? So books become this starting point of a relationship, a relationship where you've given your best value by sharing your story and your insights. But as we know, like in my office, I have a change my life bookshelf. Put every book I read that has changed my life in some way, I put on that shelf. Isn't that amazing? And, and that is where everything starts. But guess what? Each one of those books led me to action, to another action. Sometimes it was me just on my own, taking what I had learned and, and moving forward in life. But other times it was because the author 
called me to another action. They said, come to this event. Mm -hmm. Uh, Listen to my podcast. Check out my video course. Jump on this Zoom call with me and ask your questions. And all of a sudden, this this person who I connected with in a book became a part of my canon, if you will, of influencers in my life who were shaping my own story. And and that's incredible. So a book, it, it's a beginning. It's not an end. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to write my book and then I'm done. It's like, no, like right. this is the beginning. There's yeah. so much more you can do to serve those readers well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And that, you know, the book really is the beginning of a conversation. And so, you know, as we start thinking about, you know, people in the audience, people that are listening to this that might be considering writing a book and what's the stat of people that want, that have said they wanted to write a book. I know you used to share something like that of like how many people say they want to write a book. It's absurd, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, I believe in the United States alone, it's, I think 83% of people say they want to write a book. And I'll tell you right now, very few ever will. Right. Yeah, it's definitely cool. Um, and, and part of it is because it's hard. Uh, it's a, it, it is a lot of work. But with services like yours, it makes it a lot easier. So, you know, there might be some people that have questions about a book um, down here. And uh, we have a comment from Josh Albrecht in the, who's listening. He says he loves the idea of the Change My Life bookshelf. That's brilliant. So... Um, you're getting some love for your change my life bookshelf, which it's, you're, it's going to continue to get bigger and bigger as, as you go through more and more life. It it really is. So we're reaching a point. I was just telling, um, some, some team members the other day, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do for me and this company, because for the first time in a while, like I'm reading like crazy, which when I'm reading, yeah. that means that I'm not uh, doing all the time. And, and that's what you have to do in business for a while. You know, you got to be the one who's doing everything kind of all the time. Yeah, now I find absolutely. myself reading and you had mentioned a comment, like, I can't believe this could be nine ninety nine. You know, there's a lot of people out there talking about crypto, talking about gold, talking about investing, talking about stocks and this and that. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, you have all the riches in the world at your fingertips in segments of two ninety nine to nine ninety nine a piece. Books are the most valuable thing you could ever, ever invest in for the smallest investment you could ever think. You know, $10 for the amount of wisdom and insights you can get from a book are incredible. If you want to learn a new skill this year or teach to your uh, son or daughter, man, make them readers, make them crave knowledge because it is is a harvest and very few are out there actually taking advantage of it. Very few are actually out there reading and applying this incredible knowledge. You know, when my wife and I walk into libraries or bookstores, I always tell her, I'm like, I love and I hate it because I'm surrounded by these books. It's amazing. But I hate it because I'm so overwhelmed. Like, I want to touch and read every single book. I want to be like uh, Neo on the Matrix and just touch a book and have it, you know, zoom inside of me. And I just know it, you know, like I know Kung Fu. There's so much I want to know and understand about people and life and culture. And if you can give yourself that gift, it's a very cheap investment to make yourself uh, 
I, I don't even know how to how to put it. With that type of knowledge, there's no amount, there's no dollar sign you can put on yourself on on now what you're capable of. Well, yeah, I mean, we can control, you know, we we can't control much in life, but we can control like how much we grow. We can't control how much we learn. So in a sense, like, you know, you're talking about crypto, all these things, like, you know, our our own mind, our own life, like that's an asset that like we can kind of control the development of. So I want to start, I want to get talking about like kind of traditional publishing versus non-traditional, just because in I think that so many people have questions about this process. And I think, you know, a lot of people, even over the years that have asked me about books, people just don't like, you don't know what you don't know. And that's not a problem. It's just, I think that people need to understand the different ways that books can be published. So um, I want to welcome Kelly to the stage, who's in the process of getting an agent and uh, publishing a book. Kelly, welcome to the stage. Tell us what question you have and tell us about the book you're writing. Hi, Seth. Hi, CJ. Um, yeah, uh, I've already written my book. I actually wrote it a few years ago. I, I took um, my, uh, my family had a really good opportunity where I could take like a year off of work and just devote myself to writing a book. So that's what I did. And before that, like 15 years ago, I was lucky enough, I wrote a chapter book for, you know, younger kids. And I somehow just, I guess, in the luck and stupidity of youth, got a agent, um, the old fashioned way. It was before like email queries and things. And I sent out like a hundred query letters by mail, like in the mail, old fashioned, you know, because it was the 1800s. (laughs) <laughs> and got a agent that way. And I thought, oh my God, this is it. All my dreams are going to come true. And didn't really do the due diligence of knowing whether I had a quality agent. And anyway, she, long story short, shopped that book around to all the big publishers, got no's, didn't really push it anymore. I didn't really know what I was doing as a young writer. And she dropped me um, after a year. So then, you know, writing one on the back burner. I was a freelance writer for years and years and years. And then I was like, nope, you know what? I know I'm a writer. I know this is what I'm supposed to do. Aside from being an amazing podcast host, Seth, as you know, I am. I'm also a writer. <laughs> so She is an amazing podcast host. She <laughs> sorry, has an amazing <laughs> show about the history of sports teams. <laughs> I was just trying to plug myself there, Seth. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it's true. But thank you. Um, but like knowing that I'm a writer is something I feel like I've known about myself since I was a child. And I remember the very, the book I read in third grade that made me think, oh my God, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I knew that I couldn't give up on it. So I had this opportunity to work on my book for a year, which I did. It's a young adult novel. Um, and the feedback I got from my chapter book was that it wasn't like edgy enough and controversial enough, I guess. So I really kind of went for it with my young adult novel. And I was like, this is it. Like, I'll never write anything better than this. And I knew I needed help with the query letter because that's the big thing. So I worked like I, you know, got hooked up with someone who could help me really hone that. And she was like, yep, this is perfect. This is great. And I could show you the email file I have in my email of the almost 97 rejections I've got just from agents alone. And I, I'm, I honestly don't know like what, you know, what else to do because I've read so many books since then. I think Seth, you said it before, like sometimes you'll read a book and you're like, how does this get published? Like it is total, like not it's drivel. I don't know how this got published. So 
I just don't know, like, how how much do you keep pushing it? Like, how many no's do you have to get before you're like, maybe I'm not good. Like, maybe I don't have it. And maybe I'm or I'm doing this wrong. I, I just don't know that. Like, that's where I feel like I'm at right now. So I haven't really written anything in, a, in about a year and a half because 87 rejections is really, really defeating and really makes you second guess your skills and your, you know, your art as a writer. So, and I think that's kind of where I'm at is like, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Like, I mean, I know I'm good at podcasting, but I kind of just sort of lucked into that, I guess, where now I'm like, do I need to completely refocus my artistic drive to something else? You know, I think that's kind of where I'm, if that makes sense. Definitely. So okay. would you say your question, Kelly, is like, where do you, where do you stop in that process yeah, of just trying and trying again? Cause not everybody is going to get a book published. So how do you know when it's not you, I guess? Cause that old adage of keep trying, if it's your passion, it'll, it's meant to be, that's not always really true. And that's not really reality, I guess. So that's my question is when do you know enough is enough? Well, there's a few things that uh, come to mind. This is awesome, uh, Kelly, on the podcasting front and just um, your tenacity. Uh, it's it's interesting that there's already a couple connections uh, between us. Sounds like um, sports podcasting. So I used to be a sports journalist. And um, interestingly, I sent out 82 applications for uh, my second – I was seeking my second internship. It took 82 applications and I got – uh, I got one acceptance, but it happened to be with MLB.com and I got to cover the Yankees for a season. It was one of my top ones I wanted. So I got accepted to what I wanted, but that still, I had to suffer through 81 rejections of people said, no, that's, that's not quite the right fit. So like, I'm a big believer in like, if you are focused if you are determined, you will continue to learn and grow and you will break through. Now, does that – here's the big caveat is like have you asked the, the, the real hard questions? Not just why can't people see that my brilliance – like you kind of walked into this knowing, hey, I'm a good writer. You walked away kind of going, well, am I really a good writer because no one's picking me up? So – one of the new ventures of our company right now, it's called Author Gateway. And and later, uh, we will have another branch of that that same um, same idea. But it's essentially this. Agents are bombarded with queries. We're talking 50 to 100 a day. They're bored out of their mind when they see the same thing over and over again. So what does a writer really have to do? One, like you need a proposal that screams if you are going to take one proposal seriously today, agent or editor, make it this one. No writer is asking that question or making that happen. And there's a reason for that is because everyone's told, use this proposal template, use this proposal template, use this proposal template. People at publishing houses do this because they want to give you guidance as a writer. They also don't want you to try to stand out in the wrong way, you know, kind of like putting your resume on pink paper. So if you check out Author Gateway, you're going to start to see and even see a sample proposal that stands out, that shouts, this is important, check me out. But that's only step one. You have to, you have to break through all the noise. So, so then it's the most important thing next. You have to demonstrate your discoverability. This has nothing to do with your writing. 
Discoverability is saying you know how to get in front of your readers every single day. This is why I stopped writing for four years to learn internet marketing because that skill set alone I knew would put me into a different stratosphere of attractiveness to agents and editors. It wasn't that my writing lacked. I've been, that's the only thing I've ever considered myself good at. I went to college thinking, what's one thing I'm not horrible at? It was writing. I was pretty good at writing. And that's why I went into journalism. So if you can add to your skill set, if you can add to your attractiveness, it's you're not being rejected because you're not a good writer. You're being rejected because you don't have all the attractiveness that they're looking for. So how can you add that? How can you show them? I know how to get in front of people. In fact, here's what I've done so far. Here's my email list of 5,000 people, 10,000 people, 15,000 people. In fact, I was checking out a literary agent's site the other day. They have a fast track option to get your proposal read if you have 15,000 emails on an email list. Interesting. The final part is you need to connect with agents and editors in a very personal way. The last book contract I got was with Baker Publishing, a three-book deal for fiction. And I did something out of the norm. I did something that no publisher, agent, editor ever asked for. I sent them a video of myself personally. I had met them at a conference. And so instead of just sending a, hey, thank you, it was great talking with you, I actually sent them a personal video talking directly to them. They got to hear my voice. They got to see my passion. I got to use the full range of being a human to connect with them because as much as everyone wants to believe we are logical beings, that we make our decisions based on logic, we do not. We're emotional beings. When we see someone, when we feel them, we see their body language, when we see the look in their eyes, you can break through barriers that normally you wouldn't be able to. We need to use that same set of tools, emotion, truth of humanity when we try to connect with agents and publishers, not just send out a to whom it may concern email, but a personal message. Hey, agent, editor, I, I researched you. <laughs> Show them that you researched them. Know everything about them, their, their likes, their dislikes, what they are looking for in the marketplace, who they've represented. Show that you've put in the work and show your passion for your heroic cause that is behind your book, the reason why you write. And then get in front of those agents and editors, make those connections. So if you want to learn more about that, I have a video at authorgateway.com. It's about 30 minutes and it kind of walks you through these three shifts and it talks about how you can, you can go about basically doing these three things. That's great. No, that, I mean, you've given me a lot to think about. So I like super appreciate that. You're right. Those are a lot of things I had not thought about it. I thought, like, I have the query letter. It's perfect. This person told me it was perfect. I did what I was supposed to. Here's my sample pages. I don't know what else you want from me, but you're right. Like, um, those are things I haven't thought about. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Definitely. Thanks for the great question. Awesome. Thanks so much for uh, jumping on stage, Kelly. We have another question from Megan. And, you know, before he started his company, he took four years off from writing and just learned internet marketing because one of the hugest problems is authors don't know how to market their books. So, Megan has a question about that season. So Megan, welcome to the stage. Hi, Seth. Hi, CJ. Thank you so much for uh, having me up here. And I've loved the conversation so far. So CJ, as Seth mentioned, how 
So I, it resonated with me that the rejection. Um, so I have always kind of wanted, I always thought it'd be cool to be a photojournalist and I have always loved photography. Didn't think it was maybe a, as viable of a career path as, you know, it could be. So I actually went into marketing and, and then I just kind of have followed this path along forever and ever and ever. And it's like, do I now always belong on that road or like, and so my question is, how did you know after taking that break that it was time to really come back? Did you kind of like always have that along the way alongside, or was it like a total switch on and off? Like, did you say, all right, I'm going to throw, I'm going to take everything I knew in internet marketing. Now I'm going to fully dedicate myself. How did that process look? That's a great question. I, I'm in, I'm a, I'm a writer. That's my identity. Like people, people kind of will be like, yeah, you, you do this or you do that or you market or, or what have you. But it, it has been surprising to people like, oh, like that's, that's who you are. You, you write and, and you write fiction of all things because I help people write, write a lot of nonfiction. So um, for me, it came down to two things because I came back to writing. Uh, if you remember earlier, uh, I mentioned that it took me seven years to break through in nonfiction, 10 in fiction. When I came back and started writing fiction and got that book deal, it was a three book deal. I was running a business at the time. I was writing and all of a sudden I was writing under deadline and it really hurt my soul. Like I would write every day, 500 words a day at the end of the day, drained, tired. Um, that was the first time in my life of 13 years of, of marriage to my best friend where I let the friction of work uh, hurt my marriage. And so I actually canceled two out of three books in that contract because I realized I had to choose business, which also was my livelihood, fiction writing, or my marriage. And so writing had to go again. And so you might say that I still haven't given myself fully back to writing, but that's okay. There's a saying that nothing is ever wasted and that nothing ever bad happens to a writer. Today, I am 1,000 times more capable of writing my next book than I was even a year ago because I've lived more, experienced more. Uh, Neil Gaiman says it like this. He says, there's a ton of fantastic writers out there with nothing to say. They need to go get their heart broken. They need to experience pain. This idea of there's no growth without pain. And if you haven't lived for a certain amount of time, you're not going to have as much pain to grow from. It, it, and so I think this can be related to most arts, most creative endeavors. Like it's who you are. You can't get away from it. But at times you have to decide when can I like, like, what are, what are my parameters? So for me, after I had to cancel that book deal, I said, I will never a write on deadline again, meaning I will write the book fully before I pitch it. Cause I hadn't done that. I'd written about 10,000 words or so when I got that book deal. And two, I will never write for money again. I want to write on my terms, my creativity. Um, and that's just, that's, that, that's how it is for me. But I never stopped being right. Like you never stop being a photographer. You just learned another skill set that would help you um, 
fulfill one of the things you have to do in life, which is make a living for yourself. And at some point, I fully expect my writing will be my living. But I just decided it wasn't for me because there was more important things at the time. I love that. I I resonate a lot with that. I think it's very interesting that you say, um, you know, I, I don't ever want to write for money again. I think you know, people I see all over the place. It's like, YOLO, quit your job, do your side hustle full time, like go start a travel blog, all that stuff. But I'm like, if I ever did that, then that would be what's dictating what I'm creating. And I didn't ever want to do that. So thank you for reiterating that. (laughs) Most definitely. And, and, you know, I'll share this. One of the ways that I was able to kind of hack this part (laughs) was I stepped away from my job as a journalist into a job that covered my room and board. I spent five and a half years working at retirement apartments. My wife worked a side job making 600 a month. We were making 600 a month for a while. And that was okay because all of our needs were met. There are still ways to do this today as a creative. Check out pet sitting sites where you can go uh, do pet sitting for months at a time or um, watching someone's house. There's actually places I've told young creatives, if I was young and and single again or uh, young and married without kids, like this is what I would look into and other opportunities like that. Like sometimes we as creatives, we have to find our opportunities to, to pursue because there is a a kernel of truth about the, you know, hey, YOLO, go after it because some people never get around to their passion until 50, 60, 70, until time is so short. They've lived so much life without getting to the thing they love. So what do we need to do? We need to exercise our creativity, get creative, find opportunities. I need food in my stomach. I need a a roof over my head. How do I do that? And I just read a great book called Who Not How. And this is the better question. Not how can I do that, but who can help me do that? Who might be able to help you in your life right now? Know of an opportunity. What would it cost you to ask family members, hey, this is my passion, what I want to do, but I know I have these needs. What are your thoughts on that? Do you know anyone who would require you know, someone to watch their house or to X, Y, and Z or a job that covers your room and board. Like these are things that we as creatives can do to kind of hack our way into more creativity early in life without having to worry about being that starving artist. I love that. I'm going to check that book out. Thank you so much. This has been enlightening. I'm going to hop down gently. Thanks for the great question, Megan. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Megan. Uh, I want to welcome uh, Troy McLaughlin to the stage. And Troy is the podcast creator and co-host of This Undivided Life. Welcome to the stage. What question do you have for Kate? Well, thank you, Seth. Uh, man, somebody actually said my whole name too. That's that, that's a mouthful. Sometimes you haven't said that last name. So <laughs> I hope I hope off. I got it right. <laughs> hey, it's close enough. Um, if they just mentioned your first name, I'm, I'm I'm even happy about that. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, you said something about CJ about that kind of those three parts about relationships um, and how 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 that differ, differentiates you from almost everyone else um, and. I've experienced this as a podcaster. I'm I'm not some huge podcaster. I've been doing it for a, a, a good number of years, seven years now, and 
But what I have done intentionally is made relationships with publishers um, and some of the biggest ones, Penguin Random House and um, so all, most a uh, good number of their imprints and then Moody and some others, because I've actually talked to the publishers. I've called them and said, hey, thank you for getting a hold of me. Thank you for doing this. Can you just talk about how important it is to actually connect with others, not just through an email, but actually get like you, you sent a video, but I, I, I literally called, um, I think it was the lead over at uh, Waterbrook Multoma at Christmas time and just said, Hey, thanks so much for all, all the, all, all the people who work for you. It's been a great year with them. I just want to say, I appreciate the, the people who work for you. And I did, and I meant it. It wasn't, it wasn't just a sell. And, and she says, Troy, she says, nobody ever does this. And I just think at times some of the simple things that maybe maybe our moms taught us, hey, be nice, say thank you and please. Um, we maybe some of those things we might forget in kind of in this noisy world. I love that, Troy. And um, you're hitting on such a good point. It's I've seen so many um, so many people, and and frankly, young people, and and. And, and, and it's of no fault of their own. This is kind of what we're taught all growing up. Like this is the system, sit in these rows, go to these classes, get these grades, all these things. We're taught that there's a system and a system to follow, but man, the power <laughs> of breaking past that system, what you think you should or shouldn't do. And just being a human with other humans is incredible. A human that's not looking to get something. And that's the thing. That's that's true relationship. How can I serve you? Like who doesn't love a phone call saying thank you? No one ever does this. Uh, it, you know, I think of Bob Goff. I think when he was trying to get into a university, he got rejected. He, I think he slept outside of the admissions office for like three days until they let him in. Like – People don't do that. That breaks the rules. Hey, you were rejected. You shouldn't be able to get in. Well, he did <laughs> because he showed his tenacity. He, you know, when my grandfather went to try to go get work, they said, we have no work for you. He came and said, can I work for free? And he did. And guess what? Within two days, he was on payroll. We have to remember that we are humans and that other humans are always looking to connect and are astounded when you don't make it all about you, but make it about others. You serve before you ever ask for anything. And how incredibly, you know, this is another story. When I was writing, I asked, how can I serve? And I started a website for teen writers. Within six months, I was teaching 100 teen writers via all online, an online system we created where I would do critiques and audio critiques and, 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 and some of the teens even created roles for themselves and, and we started up this community. It was amazing. Well, guess what happened next? I got contacted by conferences, writing conferences saying, Hey, like we see what you're doing. We would love for you to come teach. I, I was a pretty beginning writer. I mean, I was, I was experienced enough to know more than teens, of course. But all of a sudden, I was now in rooms with agents and editors throughout all the industry, and I wasn't ready to publish. So what did that allow me to do? Just be myself, be a human, not have to worry about, oh, can you please read my book? Can you please do this? Can you do this? Can you be my connection? That makes me big. Well, 10 years later, I basically know everyone in the industry, and it all started with serving teen writers. 
So what can you do today to serve someone, to be human, to say thank you, to 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 go up to them and 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 what my friend good friend James Rubar says is shock the broker. This idea of how do you get past that part of their brain that says this is unimportant or I've seen this a billion times before. How do you be different? How how do you go up and and and, and yeah, call Multnomen and say thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do. These books meant so much to me and I know that you're behind the scenes making that happen. That's just a, a wonderful, wonderful thing and, and so important. Yeah, just thank you for saying that. Just just in a sense of, uh, you you mentioned Bob Goff and you know Love Does and what he did, and uh, but just this idea of how can we invest in others and not so much worry about what we get back from it. It's like, wait a minute, there's somebody else that I can help. Like you said, we I can serve. How can I serve them? And that's that's it's funny you say that because that's a question I normally will ask. Uh, after an interview, hey, is there any anything else that I can do for you and serve you as, as they leave? And they most of the time they're just shocked you would even ask that question. Um, so no, I just I, I appreciate what what you were talking about and just your journey and it's just it's it's really cool to hear um, just your wisdom um, and uh, want to thank you and 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 thank uh, Seth for having you up. Thank you, Troy. That was an awesome question. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, Troy. We really appreciate it. And Caleb, I mean, throughout this whole episode, you've been jumping, you've been highlighting a couple principles that I think are important for everybody listening, no matter what the work you are doing, and especially in the creative field, which you've mentioned sticking with it. Like you've mentioned 10 years, five years, you mentioned like many years, like this is not an overnight thing. Um, you've also mentioned be creative in how you present it, like how important it is for us to be unique when we're pitching our projects to other people. Um, and, and also just, you know, being unique to our own, to what works for us. So I think you're touching on several principles of, um, you know, being unique and being patient with it. But then also, you know, what Troy was mentioning, building relationships and serving. And so I think no matter what you as a listener are um, doing what you're working on, those principles stand true to to contribute to success in whatever we're doing. And as we bring this to a close, Caleb, I'd love to just really know um, for those that are listening that are interested in publishing a book, whether you know they're ready right now or ready in the future, like what would kind of be a few closing pieces of advice for people that are like, you know what, I want to write a book one day. Um, where do I start? So I'll divide this into two categories. One is you are a writer. You've got to write that book yourself. Um, or you're not a writer, you're too busy living your story, doing your expertise, doing your one thing that you're great at, whether that's business or uh, you're a doctor or a, a psychologist or what what have you. If you're a, a writer and you're, you know that you need to write this whole book and, and walk that path, read a lot, write a lot, give yourself a word quota and read great writing. That is my best advice. If you are the person who's living a great story, you know you have a book in you, but you go, you know what? If I'm being honest with myself, I shouldn't be the one writing this. I need to go find uh, – I, I need to stop asking how to write it and ask who can help me write this. That's where a system like Ser or Speak It to Book or Sermon to Book is going to be helpful for you. That's where you're going to surround yourself with a team of experts to to be strong where you are weak 
and and that includes in the writing side and the the ideation process and the marketing side, all of that. And and then you know if you're a writer who must write or you know write your entire book yourself as well, there is help on the way. Author Gateway is a sign of things to come to help you break through the traditional publishing path. And there are a lot of groups out there where it, you can you can learn about being an indie writer. You just have to be honest with yourself. Don't try to be everything. You can't be the best writer, the best editor, the best proofreader, the best cover designer, the best copy editor, the best back cover copywriter. The best marketer, the best email, you know, campaign manager, the best, you know, uh, ads manager, all of that. You can't, you can't do it. So lean into your one thing and then surround yourself with others who can fill out and be strong where you are weak. And I'll leave you with, with that, Seth. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Caleb. This has been valuable. And for those that may be joined later in the episode, and uh, are wanting to just hear more about publishing a book, about what the steps are, and really about Caleb's journey of building a ghostwriting agency and the, really the sacrifices it took along the way. Listen to the whole thing. But Caleb, thank you so much for joining us on the Small Business Storytellers. Thank you so much for listening to the Small Business Storytellers. If you've wanted to start a podcast and have been wondering if you can use podcasting to grow your business, but don't know where to start, I'd love to talk. Head to successwithstories.com slash podcast to learn exactly how to launch, grow, and profit from a podcast for your business. Again, that is successwithstories.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, share it with someone you know who would also like it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would be a great guest on the show, let me know. Thank you. And we will see you next time on the Small Business Storytellers.